This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Denise. And I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. The clock is counting down for your presentation. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Do you know what I've been doing today? I've been going through and reading out loud every word of my thesis again and finding still more mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Also. That's never going to end, but also you are finding inspirational things that you're going to be able to tell the panel in yes. your defence. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. <sighs> and, so and who are we introducing today? Speaking of things to be excited about, um, today it is my great pleasure to introduce Ron Wakari. He is a professor uh, in Canada and the Netherlands at the same time, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and the author of a newly released book, Things We Could Design for More Than Human-Centred Worlds, which, um, having just had a look at that, looks like an amazing book. Thank you very much for joining us, and welcome. Oh, you're welcome. Welcome, welcome. Ron. Where are you, yeah. Ron? So I'm coming to you from the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, um, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, uh, also known as Vancouver. We're referring to our lives in lockdown as our bubble lives, hence the name of the show. I'm not sure if you have a similar conception, but how's your bubble life been? I don't know. It seems to like, you know, open and close and shift its shift its shape, uh, you know. But I, I'm one of those people, I think, like everybody else. There's actually so much about the bubble I loved and there's so much that I hated about it. What did you love? You know, I think I'm kind of a, uh, I like being alone. So <laughs> I'm an introvert. So I guess it's really great for introverts. Um, and and, and I, th- I think also just to be, you know, in one place. So I think that pace um, and, 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 and that was really important to be home. You, you lose sight of what home is. So, so that was wonderful. And to, to learn, you know, when the weather was nicer that I had a backyard and you know when the sun came around in the backyard, and 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 when I could, when was the best time to go on the porch? Is now it's fall, so when's the best time where you know you still get the sun? So that's what I loved. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was still able to connect with people, not in you know only in only in like everyone else, only in two dimensions, but otherwise good. And what didn't you love so much? Well, I was only able to connect with people in two dimensions, <laughs> <laughs> and. And and then I think you know you what, what you know what you love is the routine, but then the routine you you, you lose surprises. Um, and and I think just the, just the life of, of being there, and 
even now, you know, those few moments when we can get out of our bubble and we could see people and remember what that is. Um, and, and, and then I think also, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, first of all, everyone's experience of the, of the whole bubble is different. So mine is actually a pretty good one. I mean, I've got a job. I can work at my computer. I mean, other people don't have that. You know, they, they, they can't sit here and work at their computer. So, you know, that's just it's my experience. And I feel really lucky that way. But, you know, despite that, yeah, I, I think you, you, you want to connect more. I mean, you definitely do. And, and then I, I feel you start to do you, just, you do start to think about others where not just those, who, of course, who have to be out there, whether they may, do not want to be, they would love to be in a bubble more so. But then also, I don't know, I, I think new people, people that move to places, I think about our students, new students and how hard it is for them. You know, it's great if you got a routine. It, it, it really sucks if you don't and you can't get into one. So, has, yeah. your, has your teaching been online and is it still online? Yeah, well, right now I am in Vancouver and I'm teaching in Eindhoven this semester. And then all, of course, you know, we like like many of us, at least here in Canada, I think I can remember. I think it was, I think remember, was it March 10th? I think we were told March 10th we were teaching online and then March 11th we were teaching online. <laughs> that was it from then on, you know. Um, and um, but yeah, the teaching's been online. And I think now, though, in in because I'm not teaching at Simon Fraser this semester, but we're going back to not teaching online. And that's been an interesting. I mean, just from you know hearing it from people, that's been interesting. I suppose one of the things that the pandemic has shown is that you can live in one country and teach in another. Yeah, you know, and I yeah, and I think that's been really great. And and you know, the other thing is is you know, it's like like we're see we're we're so close to each other. We we don't like there's a kind of intimacy to to it as well. Even though you're so far away, like I think about the students you know in in the Netherlands who I've never met. But yet we have these kind of really intimate exchanges because we're literally face to face. You never get that close to somebody, you know, and see them and, and stare at them. Anyway, so I think that's really, uh, but yeah, yeah, totally. So intimacy across large, long, big spaces. Yeah. So how is Vancouver doing? Uh, I think, you know, I think we are averaging right now about 700 cases a day. Um, I think it, it is it is as you know people are saying that it's it, it's hitting of course those people who are not vaccinated, um, and I think we're at about we're I think in Canada now and in BC we're about eighty five percent fully vaccinated. So, um, but I think but of course the, the numbers in the hospitals are down. But we're in lockdown. More, no, not we're not we are in. Well, it's just the protocol. We have the mask. Uh, things are changing. It's to be totally honest. I don't know about you. I've kind of lost track. I don't know how many people I'm supposed to be able to gather with. I don't know how I feel I'm not. I don't know how many people are too many in a room. I have no idea. And then it's also weird because, as you know, I have this um, what's going on in Canada, but I'm very also in touch with what's happening in the Netherlands. And they do things like differently, but with the same reason, you know, for the same goal in mind. I mean, and and so it's interesting that, you know, we're all in, in at school right now. We all have to wear masks no matter where we are. Um, whereas in the Netherlands, you only wear a mask when you're in the hallway. And then when you go in a room together, you can take your mask off. And that just seems strange to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and I'm going to be, I'm trying, this, there's a bunch of other issues. I don't get into them. So I'm really, um, but I'm going to be going to the Netherlands, uh, in, in a couple of weeks and I'm going to have to do some cultural adjustment, I think. Is the, I presume the, you're flying there. So the, 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 the flights are open and that, that's a happening thing. Yeah, that's a happening thing. I, I mean, we did fly. I flew. I mean, I, this summer, yes. So it is happening. There's not as many flights, but you can. And and Canada and uh, is a safe country as far as the EU is concerned. Um, and so as long as you're as long as you're you're, you're double vaccinated, so you can enter the country. Um, 
But then we have all these issues, of course, because I don't know about you. I don't know there whether you have you have your COVID passports to get into restaurants and so on. Are you under complete lockdown? I don't I don't really know. Uh, we have we went for a very hard lockdown early on, eliminated COVID, and then had nothing except a closed it's, order up until six weeks ago. Um, and then six weeks ago, the Delta variant got into Auckland. We were all in a lockdown for um, three weeks or so. Um, yeah. And now Auckland is still in lockdown and we're back to what's called level two, uh, which is pretty close to business as usual, except limits on number of people in a um, in a restaurant. It's like 100 or something. Um, oh, okay, yeah, but our border's still closed. That, that's that's the big thing that's 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 affecting us. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I know for a while. I mean, of course, for a while there, of course, New Zealand was held up as the place as you had conquered COVID, and then and then of course Delta is hitting everybody. But but we don't. So you don't have a COVID passport. We we have a we have a digital passport. Do you have that that we can no. we need to show no, to go to a restaurant? No, that that we we get little pieces of pieces of cardboard that's got the um that's got our you know, proof of vaccination, um, and they're just starting to talk about how that might be used. They've they've just announced um, international flights. You're going to have to have some sort of evidence that you're vaccinated on. But for the for the moment, um, I don't think there's anything that's legally requiring um, right. that evidence. Yeah, it's all this. I mean, of course, there's these interesting messinesses, particularly when you start doing international travel. So now in the Netherlands, if you're doubly vaccinated, you need that to get into the country and to get on the flight. And then you're given permission to go in the, get into the country. But once you're in the country, you need a Dutch COVID passport to go anywhere. And if you're not an EU citizen or not a Dutch citizen, you can't get one. So that... <laughs> so, so once you're there, you can't. Anyway, this is probably what I'm working through. So you you can't really do anything. You have to get tested every day. Uh, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's the mess of it all. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the Clash Broadway. Why this one? I don't know. I think I just remember when I was like, you know, eighteen, nineteen, doing things I shouldn't have done, but, but wanting to be in New York. This whole song is about New York, and I'd never been to New York before. So this was my one conception of New York when I was young. It ain't my fault at six o'clock in the morning He said, coming out of the night When he found I had no coins to borrow He began to justify Born in a depression Born out of good life Born in a misery In the back of a crowd I'm telling you this, mister Don't be put off by love I've been in the rain And I took those right hands Yeah
But it weren't quite the same Feel different one morning Maybe it was a rain Everywhere I looked all over the city They run in and out of the bar Someone stopped for a pickup Driving one of those
So, Ron, as Mawira said in the introduction, you have just published, or about to publish, a new book, Things We Could Design for More Than Human-Centered Worlds. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, the book's out. Actually, the book came out um, end of August. So it's been out there for now, I guess, six weeks or so. And tell us what Thank it's you. about. So it's about, you know, so my, I, I do design research, and I think a lot about design. And I think something that's really, that we hold, I think it's I suppose the dominant way of thinking about design is human-centered design. And, and But I think we as designers have to take stock of where all that human-centeredness has led us to. Um, so there's a kind of human exceptionalism in the world that you have and, 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 and design, you know, from, human, from humanism onward, which is really about perfecting what it is to be a human in this world, but are really great consequences to everybody else and, and everything else and things that are not human. Um, and so hence the more than human. How do we think, you know, in ways that are more than human? And then if you give, you know, clearly the climate crisis and Anthropocene, you see, while we were perfecting what it was to be human and how we could be in this world, we were affecting it in ways we didn't even understand. Um, and in ways that are that are that are that are consequential. So, so I think that we had to. To me, it was a kind of you know think through. Design has a role. The way anybody who does any any kind of designing that makes things and puts things into the world um, has has a responsibility here. And 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 I don't think we can think. I, I wanted to take the. I wrote when I wrote the book. I wanted it to be ahead of even of me, even my thinking. <laughs> so I hope that at the end of the book I would learn something. Um, and so I really just took it and ran with it that we had to rethink our whole project of what it means to design in the world. And, and, and I have this notion of what I call design with. And so we also have to think about design with, design with, uh, um, design with others, but also design with, 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 non with more than humans um, and have that kind of interrelatedness. You know, I, I think, uh, and, and, you know, it's clear, it's also a kind of reclaiming or, or not reclaiming because I don't, I can't claim it, but I think an understanding of, you know, there are other ways of knowing in the world, indigenous ways of knowing in the world, which always had this kind of relationality that we've, we, you know, through through humanism, European think, Western European thinking, et cetera, we've kind of separated ourselves from. And this is the the world we have now cohabit and the world we created and, and be accountable for. So how do you rethink design? You know, thinking about about the ways in which we understand design as a discipline or how we know. And I think I want I want everybody who wants to call themselves a designer to call themselves a designer. Any way in which you think you're you're, you're shaping and, 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 and creatively adding to the world, make a claim that you're a designer and, and tell us how you do it and how you do it well and how you do it in a way that shapes your world well. And then I also looked at what is it that we design? So how do we think past our models of designing products, you know, designing uh, uh, solely aesthetic objects and how do, how do we open up what are the things that we design and what does that really mean so I, I i focus on things and things have this way of we design them we think we know what they're going to do and they don't do that <laughs> they do they they act in the world in ways that we can because they, they also have some agency they transform the world with us which then leads me to to rethink what it means to be a designer um, and one of the things that I think I'm happiest about, well, two things I'm happiest about that were kind of, I mean, you know, you clearly it's a theoretical slash philosophical book, but there's tons of examples of design works and there's going to be like 50 or more uh, examples of design works. Uh, for me, I'm a designer who reads philosophy, but I think about philosophy through things, through uh, things I make and things in the world and everyday, you know, examples. Um, but there, I did come up with kind of two concepts that I'm really quite proud of. One is it's called biography. That when as a designer, we have to think about our bio biographies. The thing when we make something together with the thing we made, we create a life. And that life kind of inscribes itself in the world. And we have to understand what we not only how it inscribes itself into the world, but what it leaves behind. You 
And we can think about our own human biographies, but we're always make, creating things in the world. We're connected to them. We, we tend to think something, we make things and it's, we made it for the client or we made it for somebody else and we didn't make it for us, but we, it's part of that world that we cohabit. So I like, to, so I think if when designers think about this term biography, they can think about what is it in the world you're creating that you are a world that you're going to live with the thing you made. And then also like any biography, things end. So what's going to happen in the end? What's going to happen after you're gone? What's going to happen at the end of its life? You know, be, you know, thinking through even it's going to be more than waste. It's going to become toxicity. It's going to become all these other things. So that's that's a term I really I, 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 I'm happy about. Then the other one is what I call constituency and this just acknowledging that the complexities and the politics and the stakeholders. And I even mean the more than human stakeholders you know, the, 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 whether that be, you know, ecologically speaking, who we live with as non-human, other non-human species and non-human animals, but of course also the materials we work with and all of these that we don't just look at them in terms of ex, as, as extraction, or we don't just look at them as materials that we can exploit. And that somehow we bring them to the table. This is the tricky part, because I think it's great to say, you know, you want to be in this more than human kind of world, but how do you get it so everybody participates everything participates so anyway that's there you go that's that's really what the book is about it really uh, tries to set course and, and creatively and kind of critically think about a different way in which we can think past human-centered design so lots of questions in there one of them is the design with when yeah. we're talking about research with it, it's normally talking about other people and so that leads mm -hmm. in design's case to things like co-design Yes. working with people to collaboratively design something. And I think you hinted at how that might work with inanimate objects by talking about the agency. But yeah. how does that how does that work with things that clearly aren't going to show up to a meeting and sit around and together design a yeah. thing? Yeah. So I think the term and, and, and is so you have to look at it in two ways is one, I think that we would like to design with. So we would like things to be at the table. But I think it's our responsibility to get things at the table. I mean, and because we're the ones who made the table, so we have to we have to do that. Uh, we make it our project. But then the other aspect of design with is we are always designing with, even whether we know it or whether we want to do it or whether we don't know it. Whatever I do has consequences for those and 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 other than me and things that are more than human that are not me. They are going to be part of the biography that I make they're going to be they're going to suffer or they're going to gain the consequences and in different ways everyone so so design with is something it's not something that it's in some ways you can look at it as just a reality we, we always design with but we don't think of it that way but I also think that we have to purposely um, yeah we have to widen our ecological understanding of the relationships that design has and to the best of our abilities and I and I, we we need to to have these um have this ecological participation in the, in the way we design. So expand, I actually talk about participatory design at one point in the book um, and really expanding participatory design uh, and this sort of co-design, um, but, uh, but, but to, to as, as one, you know, that that's a starting point um, that we have to do. Uh, it's a starting point to think about. I mean, you always use existing norms I and mean, we've created all kinds of, we've constructed beautiful ways in which we design with other people and stakeholders and so on. And we could just expand that creativity. You talked about, learning from indigenous cultures have have wider ways of thinking about design i don't say they've already got this but are they already in that kind of space you know it's hard to i mean i, I think that that's i mean and i actually wish 
it, it, I should you know be clear that it's probably not as, as strong a part in the book as I would like, but I think it, the point being is that there are different epistemologies, there's different ways of knowing the world, and I think we need to encounter we need we need to be expansive enough to include that, and 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 things proceed the way in which you know we can learn from if we if we if we understand the world as being known in different ways, we can learn from that. But if I go back to the term more than human, you know, more than human, starting with you know at, at least as I understood it. Um, you know, it, it, David Abrams and, and talking about the, the you know, one of the ones who a, a philosopher, a phenomenologist who actually was interested. He was doing magic. He was doing the study of magic in Indonesia. Um, and and um, but well, he was one of the first, you know, I think he really hit it about talking about learning for him. I mean, and I think it was the same thing approach I had with the book was how could how do I I don't know. I started the book with knowing I didn't know. And then how can I be generous enough to try to figure out and learn and learn and write at the same time? And I think Abrams does that really well in his book as well. Um, and 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 I think that that so part of his is he really does that what I really there are different ways in which we can, uh, you know, um, like Robin Kimmer is obviously another one who really talks about indigenous methodologies and, and indigenous ways of knowing. But what I like about Abrams is he really centers in on language and he talks about how language is a matter of place. Um, and I think that we can kind of reclaim. That's what I was thinking about with the cohabiting. I think we can kind of reclaim design as being as being located in a place. And I think that's definitely rooted in the different, as I understand it, the different indigenous ways of knowing. You, 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 you know, I think he makes a really good point that you can't separate language from place. That 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 and 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 the notion that 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 everything is animated, the notion that everything is alive. That, you know, that that things are talked. In, in, in extent, in, in living terms. And, and um, yeah, I think that we can bring, there's certainly enough, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I think as, as many, you know, uh, um, it's clear that amongst indigenous groups, and I don't want to really speak, to speak for them, but I do know it's clear that, you know, I think discussions we've have about climate crisis and being displaced by climate change and 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 at least in north america indigenous populations this is probably at least the third apocalypse the third the, the third degree of displacement their time that they've been displaced from colonialism onward um and 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 you know and, and i think we could certainly learn from that um and in some sense that there is a way in which a, a way of living and understanding and, and addressing oneself to the world and everyone around you in which you're living with something that's known and experienced and felt that suddenly now everyone else is talking about. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nami aroha nui kia koutou kotaho ho. I hope you're all having a best day from your beloved universe. Really hope and living on this journey yet. Proving to be rewarding, sustaining, and illuminating you more than you are for nature's art, making things better. Thank you. I know that for all of us, this last several months have been very challenging, oh, and we've had to really take on so many new ways of being doing. Had to reform, and it's been very helpful. So it's so important that we're kind to ourselves and to each other every day when we meet and interact. We know we're all experiencing the same strain, the same weight, the same pressure, the same difficulties. It's important that we acknowledge this. And it's also important that we acknowledge that this is not the first time this has happened to us as a species. If we look back over our history, we see our species has encountered many pandemics, many illnesses, many plagues, 
many times when we've had to band together and we've had to help each other, we've had to do our best. The best aspects of ourselves have had to come forward in order for us to survive, in order for us to care for each other. And the same thing again now. And I know that this is startling to contemplate. <sighs> and we can feel unprepared at times, but I don't think we are unprepared. I think that within us, there is the strength, there is the capability, there is the intelligence. All of the things that we need is the compassion, there is the kindness, there is the ability to love and to be fueled by love, to accept and receive the love of others, and for this to power us on. Even when times feel hard, which they do right now. We're so lucky, of course, that we're here together in our turtle in New Zealand, but we look around the world and for many of us, our loved ones are spread all over the globe. We want them to be. The best thing that we can do, of course, is to provide for our relationships here and in contact with those we love, thanks to the wondrous technology that we have created as species. And all of this gives me reasons for hope. I will never feel hopeless. I will never feel lost, feel alone. I will never feel powerless because I see around me constant signs and symbols of our power and our prowess as a species that we can overcome challenges. And we do. This ingenuity, this creativity serves us so well. When times are tough, we will always find a way to make things better. We will always find a way to overcome any great chasm that arises in front of us we will find a way to bridge it and reach the other side so i really hope for you in your day today you can see these symbols of hope you can see this evidence of who we are this is innate for us is who we are and this unites us that even when things are very challenging when things are new when things are seemingly unprecedented we can remember that we will always overcome them, we will always make things better. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Ron Wakari. Ron, there's a saying that goes, we can't solve our problems with the same kind of thinking we used to create them. And, and I love that what you're proposing is a way of solving problems that brings all parties to the table, human and non-human, every part of our of our life that's affected. But how do we do that with the non-human parties without humanising them and giving them a human voice and a human value and, and therefore just continuing that same kind of thinking? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And and I mean, I, I, there's, there is, so there's a term I kind of use throughout the book two words that I always return to is relationality and expansiveness that we have. So it goes to your first point. We have to think in relation to others, human and non-human, and we have to think expansively. And it's funny, at the, end, at the end of the book, I talk about the very last couple of pages. I say, wait a minute, I could have just said generous. Like I said, we have to be generous in the way in which we approach things. And I think that we have to be generous critically and creatively in the way we aim to understand things that are not human. There's a clear limit to that. And, you know, often you hear the notions of, well, I think, you know, partly what you're talking about is the dangers of anthropomorphizing things, which we which we often do, you know, in, in the most inane kind of ways. You know, I mean, cartoons are fun, but really when you look at them, you think, wow, this is this is truly Looney Tunes. Um, but there is the, there is the 
but 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 I think that the greater danger is to be anthropocentric, not necessarily to anthropomorphize, and, and to 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 anthrop, to, anthrop, to make something human-like, to find a point of connection, is a great starting point. That, that's so two things. The, the, so one, it's a starting point. Then I think it really requires a great deal of critical and creative imagination, and generosity to get beyond that, and to entertain the idea that one, you can't always know, but you act. So you don't have to know another thing completely in order to act. So I don't know what, you know, I, I don't know what, it, what, 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 how, you know, how, I don't know how my cats, what my cats are doing, <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you know, in, get in the way of me living with them and cohabiting with them and having a, 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 a one of care and one of thinking about the matters that, that, that concern them. And, and, and of course we can expand from there. And, and it's a critical creative thinking that we have to broaden um, and I think I think so. It's it, it's a kind of poverty of imagination that means that we we stay with being anthropomorphic, that we take that as a starting point and we move. But we you know with, but the nice thing about anthropomorphic is that it 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 acknowledges the limits. Of, we have to work with it. We have to be critical and creative within our limits. We can only see the world as as, as we are. Um, but the danger is the anthropocentric part. The danger is when we think that is the way to know the world and that is the only way to know the world and that all relations are anthropocentric. All relations connect back to us as humans and our existence only and our perfection. That's the the human exceptionalism that, you know, we are the ones going to save the world once we are perfect, uh, which is total, you know, I mean, that's why we're in, in, in the, you know, where we are now. So, but I do think, so in my own work, you know, a lot of the design I do is critical and creative, uh, uh, sorry, uh, speculative design work. Um, and, 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 you know, I do work where I, <laughs> I'll make something. And there's no reason why you should make something like that. I make right now, for example, I make a, I've made ceramic bowls that tilt. But just to understand the most mundane object and how that changes everything around us, it has really profound effects. Um, we're, we're weaving something now. It's called Wi-Fi No Wi-Fi that really does nothing as long as it detects a Wi-Fi network. But once it doesn't detect a Wi-Fi network, it actually opens up and disassembles and it's over. That's the end of the object. That's, that's the end of the thing. Um, and 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 what it does is, you know, these are ways to suddenly we are so surrounded by these things that we've designed, we've shaped, they shape us, we shape them, it it constructs the world, this is the cohabiting, but we don't fully know the dimensions of that. We really have to understand that. We have to understand what, what, what you know, how to, uh, uh, what is the good? How, how do we make a, you know, how do we find the good in the way we cohabit the world? And, and, you know, you can't do that by reduction. You, you can't do that by saying you know everything. And sometimes there's a, kind of, there's a kind of colonialism in arguing that you have to know everything. But yet we still have to act. And so, so I think that it's, it's being critical, it's being creative, having the imagination, even when you don't know everything and you can't know everything. And you have to use everything at your disposal to be generous and try to be expansive uh, with those things around you and find the relations, find the connections that you have. Because they'll find you. I think that's the point. At the end, I mean, this is what the climate crisis is, is that is that all of the relations that we have to the world around us have found us, right? Whether we knew it or not, they, they found us. We, I didn't know I was so connected to glaciers in Greenland, but I, I am. That's just <laughs> in a very profound, very specific way. Do you think we can take anything from the pandemic and how we've responded to the pandemic for those big sorts of questions, climate change and social justice? I mean, I think there's the obvious ones. I think which, I, which unfortunately, are going to be temporary. Of course, you know the 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 lessening of carbon output and so on. But but I do think the biggest. I mean, for me, I mean, I can speak for myself. But but I think many of the assumptions we held, we just saw them disappear. 
and 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 that should be one. I mean, you can that could be a, that could be a source of fear and anxiety for a lot of people. But that for others, that could be a a, 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 a crazy opening of the world to alternatives. Right. I mean, there are things that we thought we couldn't ways in which we would be in this world, which now we are inhabiting it this way that open up other kinds of possibilities. We have found other ways to relate to people. We have found different ways. I I've, I mean, I think, you know, I sure hope at minimum, which, you know, I mean, I think the best thing is to have total lockdowns and not have people go to the mall. I mean, they're freaking rethink <laughs> consumerism, you know, I mean, that's the most obvious one. And, 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 it, and it was, I mean, it clearly suddenly, I mean, and I, I, you know, what will come of that? And I open, maybe that opens up different ways. I mean, you have to, I mean, you know, the, I guess the, we, we have to think through the different realities of, 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 you know, the economic relations. And I think our ability to live and enjoy the world in all of the misery that's going on around the pandemic but in ways that didn't necessarily mean this kind, this endless consumption that we're in, that we're, we're and and you know that 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 have that, that have kind of become the this we we seek our kind of satisfaction in all, all the notions. You know, I, I think that's where we find our identity. That's where we you know find our 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 we are fulfilling uh, um, actions are through you know, whatever you know consumption. And anyway, I, I do think that's that's something that we can definitely. I think is a, a right across the board. I think you know it certainly made me rethink travel, you know, and and uh, and and do I want to do it and do I need to do that? Um, but then, of course, I think we also have to think through of what this took away from people. Um, but I think maybe we can think more creatively about how we bring those things back rather than return to old routines. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Thelonious Monk. Well, you needn't, except that you need to tell me why <laughs> this one. So I love this album. Well, first of all, I love Thelonious Monk. And actually, I don't really care what song you play from this. Any song is good. The, the, the story about this is, as I understand it, is that um, so I was a high school student who invited, said, oh, I'm going to invite Thelonious Monk to come play at my high school. Um, and um, and nothing happened. And then one day he kind of got a phone call and said, yeah, OK, well, we're coming. The band's coming. We're, we're, we're playing. So he came and, he, and, and, and then they discovered that someone recorded it. And it's a beautiful recording. So this is, yeah, imagine in the day, you know, if Lonnie's Monk shows up at your high school and starts playing. <laughs>
Ron, um, before uh, you were talking about when you came to the end of the work, the book you've just written, you wanted to have learned something. What did you learn? That's a that's a great question. What did I learn? I, I learned that that I have to relearn how I do design. Um, that that that's what I learned. I also um, I I learned that you I don't know for me I guess I learned that I that you you can do it. I mean in a sense that I feel like it's coherent. I, I think you can take a project. I mean it's scary when you write because you don't know one you don't know if it's well you know it's going to end but you don't know if it's going to end well. <laughs> you know, you don't know if, if, if all the thoughts are going to come together. Um, and and honestly, I found it was easier at the end. So I guess I, I um, so I admit, but I do have, so I guess on one level, what I learned was that be ambitious in the way in which you want to, you want to think through different ways of doing things. They may not be right, but you offer something to people. So just, and do it you know, you don't, don't don't pull your punches. So that that's one of these. But on a on another level, of course, I think I I didn't have these terms I talked to you before about biography and constituency. I didn't have that. It wasn't a starting point for me. It was a place that I arrived at. And now that I've arrived there on some level, theoretically, I feel like I have to put it into practice. So so that's what I now I have to put put this into practice, and then and then I'll learn all the things that you know. I got wrong or <laughs> that I really needed, but, but, um, and, and, you know, it has been a great, I mean, that's one of, I mean, there's so many different things. There's the first book that I've written and I have to say there was, I, I've loved every part of it. And you talk to different people and they'll, they'll not all say the same thing that they loved it. There are parts that they didn't like, but in everyone has the different phases, you know? Um, and now it's in a phase where, where you're so nervous and anxious because it's out there and people are reading it, but you're getting it reflected back to you, you know, and it's starting to happen now. And, 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 um, and so in that sense, I said, well, you know, it, it, it does make some sense. So that's a good thing. I learned it does make some sense. Patcha Friedman, who we know we've had on Sustainable Lens, but not on Blowing Bubbles. Yeah. She describes it as taking you gently and radically away from human centered design. I like that notion of gently and radically. <laughs> I, I love Bats, first of all. I mean, Bats, I was just so appreciative that she wrote that. Um, and um, it's, yeah, it was nice to read that. And I do feel like maybe this is also just the, the you know, the teaching part is you want things to be explainable. So that was one. But I think that, I don't know, I hope to think, I think, hope she, so when I, you know, like, like, I didn't want it to be a polemic, a, a screed saying, you know, human-centered design is all wrong and this is all right, because because it's not a constructive way to invite people to the table to really have, I think, it's a pretty a serious discussion. So I was trying to, in my own, taking it, I guess, to heart that being generous and expansive of other views, um, and 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 it, it is, I mean, what I love about writing a book, too, you know, you, of course, you're trying to, you're hoping your reader stays with you, which is not always, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you're going to lose readers on page one for sure. And then definitely maybe they'll make it to page 10. But, but of course, you're trying to take your reader throughout the whole book and, 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 you know, you're building up something, a story, and it's a complicated story. And you're gently, I, I like to think I'm gently trying to bring them along. And the best parts are just, they're further along down the, down the road, but I got to bring you there. So I did have that in mind, and and uh, if that came through and she saw that, then wow, that's great, yeah. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded, and, and I think that that's a similar sort of space that you're in, although you yeah. test that a bit with speculative design. 
because part yeah. of the point of it is that it's being a bit deluded, but using that to be critically aware of the decisions we're making now. How do you sort of play out that 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 being positive, but that not just being some sort of happy clappy doolally? That, that, that there's sort of a that there's some sort of street cred behind that. Yeah, there's two terms I like with that. So first of all, I do like. I, I, I mean, I, I I take that seriously. I mean, I I do think that you 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 need to do that. Um, you know, I, I think you need to you need to be open to the world, but then not not be so open that you don't see what's going on. Um, and 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 there's a term that I really like um, by a, a philosopher, um, Isabel Stringer, Stangers, and she talks about speculation. And she talks about speculative friction. That's what I like to think I do. So speculative friction is to be creative, but in a way that, in, that is, is trying to encounter the world that creates frictions. And I don't mean this in a negative sense. It's just the reality of the world. So another, another t- term I take from um, another uh, philosopher, Maria Pushta de la Casa, who wrote the wonderful book on, on um, non-human care. Um, she talks about construction, and I say this over in the book, over and over in the book, that I'm doing a both a construction. It's both about being constructive and real. So it's so creating something in a reality, um, and 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 I think that that's you know I, you always be careful about the term reality because people have claims that this is what real is and you don't know what real is, but real is whatever you encounter, you know, in your world. I mean, that's real. Uh, however, you encounter that, but I think you. So it's, I think. You know, even the kind of speculative work that I do is, is about not about the future. It's about now. I'm trying to speculate on things that are going on now. I do work. I make things. And, and you know, people live with it for like six months. We just finished the study. People lived with our, our, our odd tilting bowl for over two years. Um, and, and so it's very much in the present. It's very much in the now. So it's trying to create that um, um, relationship between a creative imagination going on in the present, in the real. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to wriggle through these. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, God. Uh, my kids. <laughs> They've got, they are wonderful. They are, are, are beautiful adults. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, that, that, and, and with my wife, we, we, we're the, we're, 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 a, we're a good a bubble couple. We came through the pandemic really well. Yeah. So that's what I'm happy about. We just had a conversation with somebody yesterday who broke up in the bubble because of the bubble, I think. We didn't know. know what to say. No, I know. You don't know before. It just happened. It's like, yeah, it's horrible. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Ah... Um, do what you're not supposed to do, <laughs> but without hurting anybody, you know, because that's not good. So we talked about gently and radically. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I don't know. That's a great, I mean, you know, I think in the sense, in the humble sense, no, because I see people who are activists. You know, here here, here we are, you know, actually here in Vancouver, um, and we've had this whole dispute over, I don't know if you've heard it, this is a Ferry Creek where they're doing... Um, 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 sorry, they're doing forest. They're 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 trying to you know uh, um, cut down old growth forest. Um, this has been the biggest protest in Canada. I think a thousand people have been arrested. Uh, people who are living 
you know, they, they are chaining themselves to trees. They are living and camping and on the road. They're being pepper sprayed that, you know, that they're, they're during their masks were being taken off by the RCMP and pepper sprayed in the face. So they're activists. Um, and and um, so in that sense, I am I, I, I would say, no, I'd be humble. But I, in, in the sense that I want change and I want change for good and I would want and I would stand up where and I think that is not the case then in that small a sense yeah so what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning um i don't know i guess getting uh what gets me out of the bed i, I don't know i'm too excited for my own good i think <laughs> you know i i i am i it's great i mean i have a pretty good life i i i enjoy everybody you know most of the people around not everybody that's really not right <laughs> I don't enjoy everybody, but most of the people I encounter, and I think what happens to the day, and it's so I don't know. I guess that's I, I, it's it's not hard for me to get out of the bed. How about that? And what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Yeah, I think I mean part of it is is the book is actually living up to words. So I think that's that's one thing. Um, and, and then I think it's just um, you know the big challenges. I think that we were talking about before is coming out of this bubble that we're willing to entertain new assumptions. And now it's a matter of putting those assumptions into into practice. So how do we relate to the people? You know, I think we shouldn't just I mean, I think it's great. Absolutely. We should get out there and see everybody again and do all the things. But then how might where are the opportunities to 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 do that better and be with others better and not rush back to business as usual? Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that's going to be the, the. You know, I think people are going to want more than business than usual. That's the date. That's the, that's what you're hearing now. That's the, the not so great part. They want hyper business as usual. You know, and and and, and this is what we really got to guard against. And and so how do we open up to that? Yeah, I think it's going to be really. I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, I so so. I mean, you know, you guys you guys talk about this all the time on this podcast, but. This is definitely, I mean, you're thinking in your lifetime of what is that once in a generation thing? And this has been it. For, I mean, we've been, I mean, I don't know, me, I think we've been lucky. There's no world wars that I haven't been conscripted. I haven't, you know, when you think about others, um, but but this is definitely it. But And I'm wondering, will we forget like three years from now, five years from now? Will this just be like we've totally forgotten and everything is just as it was before? That's when it'll be weird. And I hope, I absolutely hope not. And lastly, before we forget, do you have any advice for our listeners? Wow. Uh, do I have any advice? No, listen to the podcast. <laughs> I think that's every episode. This is what, episode 311? Yep. Yeah, but podcasts got us, got us through the pandemic. Listening to others. Listen to others. There you go. There's a good cliche, but I think it's a pretty good one. And write a book and then have the challenge of living up to your own book. Yes. That's a good one. A write a book is a, do do whatever your big project is. That that that's the other one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I loved writing the book. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm actually writing another one, a smaller one, right now. But yeah, so you had a good experience. Thank you for that, Mawira. Ron, your diverse way of thinking um, is such a beautiful thing, and I really appreciate it so much so that I actually just bought your book. <laughs> so it's available here on Fish Pond. So I've wow. got a book coming, and I'm really excited to read it. But thank you for the way that you think and for giving other people the opportunity to have that same way, that same view, and a method to do it. We, we appreciate you and um, just the way that you've shared that. Thank you for joining us today. Those are very kind words. Thank you very much. Thank you.
things, the beautiful things, the beautiful things. We see them every moment of the day. We see them, we want them right away. The beautiful things, the beautiful things. We're full of desire every second, every moment of the day. Desire to touch, to have, to have and to hold. The beautiful things, the beautiful things, the beautiful things. The beautiful things We come from the land of the new From a better place than this Where everything's clean and fresh and new And the people are young and handsome and true But the world we live in is cold and it's dark And it's full of the dirt and the death and disease And the loneliness Yes, the loneliness And the heartache and sorrow and fear But it's okay It's alright on every shelf and every shop there's things Yes, things Things from the land of the new with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is The Front Lawns of Beautiful Things. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Wera Karatai in Fakatani, and from Vancouver we've been joined by Ron Wakari. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.